It's been really great in this psalm series to be able to um, just sing the psalms as they are from God's Word in song together. Uh, We're moving into a time now um, where we're going to read God's Word together and hear it being taught to us. Just before our Bible readers come up, I'll pray for us. I'm going to pray a few words from Psalm 119. Teach us, Lord, the way of your decrees, that we may follow it to the end. Give us understanding so that we may keep your law and obey it with all our hearts. Direct us in the path of your commands, for there we find delight. Turn our hearts toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn our eyes away from worthless things. Preserve our lives according to your word. Amen. Hey, I'm Annalie. Um, I'm going to be doing our first reading, which is Psalm 16. So if y'all could turn up to page 538 on the Delightful Pew Bibles. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out the libations of, of blood or take, a pot, or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundaries have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Hi there, my name's Emily. Please join with me in Acts 2, page 1078. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, um, by God to you, by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. 
Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm one of the student ministers here at Church in the Graveyard, and it's my privilege uh, to speak to you tonight from God's Word. So how about we start by praying to our great God. Father, as we come to your Word now, we do ask that you will speak to us, that you will cause our hearts and our affections to love and to trust you with all of our lives. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. My dad is dying. He has advanced dementia. And I guess, to be honest, I, I thought I'd come to terms with this. Um, but it hasn't been until about the last couple of weeks that I, I really have um, come to the realisation that it's coming and it could be any time. I think for, for us, when we're confronted by death, it really makes us think Death's something we don't talk about very often. Um, we don't even like to call it death. Often uh, we say you know, someone's passed on or they've gone home or they've checked out, but we don't want to say the word death. But it's, it's real and it, it's something that we all in our lives will have to face. It's actually been really hard uh, to know uh, what to pray for for my dad. Um, people have been asking me, how can, how can I be praying for you and your family? And it's hard to know what to say. On, on the one hand, I, I don't want my dad to die. He's my dad. Uh, but on the other hand, he's not the person he used to be. He's been changed uh, mentally and physically. I know he, he would not want to live like this. Uh, but my dad is a Christian. He loves the Lord. So I, I do often pray that uh, God would take him home to heaven uh, where there won't be any more sickness or pain or death anymore. But is this a prayer that is really worth praying? Do we really have hope after the grave? Or is, am I just having wishful thinking here? Do we die and that's just it? Well, tonight as we look at Psalm 16... This is a prayer um, that David wrote addressing this very question. This is a psalm in which David speaks of the confidence and the joy that he has in God, not just for this life, but also for eternity. And I'm really excited about looking at this psalm tonight uh, because it's one that for the last six months has been so important in my life. Uh, over, over Christmas, as I spent a few months with my dad and, and saw him going downhill quite fast. Um, I turned to the book of the Psalms and they really spoke to me. And so I'm excited to, to be able to speak to you about this tonight. Um, I've been praying through this Psalm nearly every day for the last six months. I, I love it. Um, 
what I love about the Psalms is they resonate with us. They, it's like a song where the words just really hit you. Um, there's so much beauty uh, in the Psalms. Um, but this is what they're meant to do. They're meant to resonate with us at different times in our lives. They speak to us where we're at in different circumstances. And they do that because David really went through this. So he was speaking out of his heart. It might also be that you too um, are going through a time where a loved one's dying, or it may even be that you're uh, dying. Uh, but for all of us, uh, death is something we're going to have to face uh, for ourselves and, and for those around us. So it's, it's my prayer tonight as we look at Psalm 16 that it will speak to our hearts. So it would be great if you had uh, Psalm 16 open there. Um, there's Bibles in your pews if you don't have one. It would be really good if you could follow along. Uh, so if you'd like to turn to Psalm 16. Uh, while you're turning there, C.H. Spurgeon said about this psalm that it was the golden psalm. Campbell Morgan says it's a song of satisfaction. And John Calvin says that this psalm, uh, happiness consists in resting in God alone. Now in these first four verses, uh, David looks firstly up to God, then he looks inward to himself, and then he, he looks out. So let's have a look at those. Uh, verse 1. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. From the way that David starts this psalm, it's clear that he's, he's in some kind of trouble. He's calling out to God, keep me safe, O God. We're not clear what the incident is, but what is clear is that he's frightened of his, uh, even to the point of his life being taken. You see that in verse 10 where he speaks of the grave and even decay. It's an emotional and a relational cry to God. He pleads with God to keep him safe. More than that, he runs to him as his refuge. Now, finding refuge in God is one of the major themes in the book of Psalms. It comes up about 50 times, and it's always talking about the psalmist finding his refuge in God. Have a look on the screen. I've got a few examples. So Psalm 2 said, Blessed are all who take refuge in God. Or Psalm 5, But let all who take refuge in, your, in you rejoice. Let them sing for joy. Or verse, um, Psalm 18. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. Or Psalm 31. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and work for those who take refuge in you. Or Psalm 57. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you I take refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Let me encourage you, if you get a chance this week, to search the Psalms and find the references to taking refuge in God and read through them and let your heart be encouraged by what you read as you do that. Oh, I love how this psalm starts. David runs to God for his safety. How often do we, instead of running to God for our refuge, run to other things, to people, to food, to alcohol, to sin? What are you tempted to run to instead of God? But David, David goes to God. He goes to the sovereign Lord of the universe who alone can keep him safe because him alone can truly be our refuge. I think you know if you trust God 
by where you turn in times of trouble. Do you turn to God or do you turn to other things? Okay, so firstly, David looks up to God. But secondly, he looks in to himself. So verse 2. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. It's almost like David is reminding himself of what he believes. You are my Lord, he says. It's relational. It's intensely personal. It says, you are my Lord. David knows God. He trusts him. This is why he can take refuge in him. But it's also why he could say, apart from you, I have no good thing. Such a huge statement. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And I think the key to understanding this is the word apart. Apart from you, I have no good thing. There's many, many good things in this life. But if they are separated from the God of this universe and don't come from him, then they aren't good. This is because they would actually take us away from God and not draw us to him. James 1.17 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. I think we're often tempted to think that God's holding us back from good. But my friends, that's a, that's a lie. All good things come from God. He is the fountain from which all goodness flows. Calvin says it this way, Not a particle of light or wisdom or justice or power or genuine truth will anywhere be found which does not flow from him. David reminds himself here, apart from you, I have no good thing. Say that to yourself this week. Pray that the Spirit will bring that verse to mind and heart when you are tempted to look to something or someone else besides God for your good. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And thirdly, David looks out. Verse 3. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. Is there a problem here? He's just said, apart from you I have no good. And then straight away he says, the saints are the ones in whom is all my delight. Is, is he just like, what's he doing here? But, well, I don't think there is a problem. Saints just means people who, like David, are taking refuge in God. In the, in the New Testament, saints are people who just trust in Christ for their salvation. The reason David can say both, apart from you I have no good, and all my delight is in the saints, it's because the saints aren't apart from God, but they're from God and they're of God. Let me ask us all a question uh, here. Do we delight in the saints? Do you delight in your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Have a look around. Do you pray for them? Do you pray for each other? Do you love them in practical ways? Or do you just put up with them for a few hours on a Sunday? I think we, we do a pretty good job here at, at church and uh, the graveyard. Um, I've, I've felt welcomed. I've been here a bit over a year, and from the start I've felt very welcomed and very loved. Um, but I think we can always do better at this, can't we? I've been actually really uh, rebuked and challenged 
as I've read this psalm this week, to question, do I love, do I delight in my brothers and sisters in Christ? But David does. He looks out to the saints and he has delight in them. But he also looks out at others, verse 4. It says, The sorrow of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. David is resolute here in his decision. He will not make sacrifices to other gods. It's like he's making an oath to God. The Lord is his God. I will not do this. Now, I think for us, we probably aren't going to be tempted to make blood sacrifices to other gods or worship gods in the, in the same way that people did in David's day. But I think we're still prone to worshipping other things too, like money or sex or relationships or comfort. I love that hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But David says that he won't do that. He will not run to other gods. It's contrasted with uh, verses 5 and 6. Have a look. It says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Instead of running after other gods, David belongs to the Lord. He says that it is God who has assigned him his portion and his cup. I like the way the ESV version of the Bible says it's on the screen. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. David says that the Lord is his portion and his cup. Not food, not drink, but God himself. He doesn't need the things of this life because he has a delightful inheritance waiting for him. What wonderful confidence that he has in God, a confidence that frees him from the things of this world. I think for me uh, lately, what, one of the things that has caused me often to, uh, I guess, uh, question God's goodness in my life and and the path he's taken me on, it might be silly to you, but when I go to friends' houses who seem to have nice things, you know, you walk into their house and it looks like a page straight out of an Ikea catalogue or one of those nice magazines, and, you know, you look around and everything's got its little place, and I like that, I like, I, I like furniture, I like good design. And then I, often I go home and I sort of, I live in, I have a bedroom, I live on campus at, at Bible College and all I have is this little room and I sort of sit down in there and it's, it's easy to feel a little bit sad because I, I don't have those things. Uh, but often it's at those moments that God speaks to me and says, no, you, you have better than that. You have a delightful inheritance like David says here in, the, in this psalm. Our life is not about possessions. We have an eternal life waiting for us. So what is it for you? What is it for you guys that you are tempted um, to see as your lot in life and not God? But this psalm reminds us that God is our portion. He holds our lot in life. Verse 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. 
It's God who counsels David. Therefore, his heart, which belongs to the Lord, can instruct him. And then verse 8, I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. These are bold words for David to say when he's put God at his right hand in the position of authority and power in his life. How could he be shaken? And then we get to the therefore. Verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. This is poetic language. His heart is glad, his tongue rejoices, his body rests in God, the God in whom he takes refuge. The word here for tongue literally means his whole being. David's whole being rejoices in God. Well, why? Well, verse 10, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. From this psalm, David has many reasons to trust God. He's the one in whom is all his good. He's the one that has assigned his portion and his cup, the one who has made his lot secure, the one in whom he has a delightful inheritance. But David's biggest reason that he can take refuge in God is because he will not abandon him to the grave or let his Holy One see decay. What confidence that David has here. But there's a problem, right? David died. He's dead. He, he's in the grave. He's decaying. So was this psalm that David wrote all those years ago, was it in vain? Was it just empty words? Was it just a nice little song that had no real truth to it? Well, no, that's not the answer. Um, it'd be great if you could turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter um, is giving a sermon and he actually quotes from Psalm 16. Uh, so let's go there and have a look at it. It was read before, but I'd love to read it again for us. So Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet 
and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to the fact. David died and was buried. His tomb was even still there to that day. But he wrote this psalm speaking of someone else, someone to come in which this would be true. Verse 29 said, David was a prophet, and seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. This psalm wasn't ultimately about David. It's about Jesus. Think back, think back to Psalm 16 for a second. He is the one, as in Jesus. Jesus is the one who could truly say he took refuge in God. Jesus is the one who truly had no good apart from God. He is the one who delighted in the saints by pouring out his blood for them and not for other gods. Jesus is the one who truly can say to God, you are my portion and my cup and even trusted God when his cup meant the cup of God's wrath. He is the one who will not be shaken, but willingly went to the cross in our place because he knew that God would not abandon him to the grave or let his Holy One see decay. Psalm 16 isn't about David. It isn't about my dad or about us. It's about Jesus. But it's exactly that reason which is why it's for us. We too can now say this psalm. Not because we look forward like David did to the resurrection, but because we now look back to Jesus' resurrection, the historical event of Jesus' death and resurrection. Verse 32 said, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to the fact this really happened. Jesus died, but God did not abandon him to the grave or let his Holy One see decay. Verse 24 said, God raised him from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And he did this for us. Jesus died not for his own sins, but for ours. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake... For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died not for his own sin, but for ours, so that we don't have to. Well, at the start, I asked us the question, is there any hope for my dad after death? And Psalm 16's answer is yes. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will do the same for my dad. Because like David, my dad trusted and still does, trusts in the risen Lord Jesus. Do you believe this? Is your hope in the risen Christ? Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Jesus has not physically 
been raised. Christianity is a joke. We are still in our sins. He goes on to say we should be pitied more than all people. But Jesus has been raised. And it is a certain hope that I have for my dad and I have for me. I love the way David finishes this psalm. If your hope is in Christ, have a listen to your future. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Again, I like the way the ESV says it. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. These are beautiful words. This is the path of life, not running after other gods or finding our joy and our satisfaction in the things of this world, but finding it in God both now and forever. Christian, this is our future. This is our eternity. As Christians, our hope is in the one who conquered death and has made the way possible for us too to have eternal life. This is where there will be fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So therefore, like David, we too can confidently say, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave nor let me see decay. Such amazing words that we can say. Let me finish by asking a solar question. Tonight, what is your hope in? What is your hope in? If it's not in the risen and reigning Lord Jesus, then what? Is it in yourself, in money, in possessions, maybe in your super fund? Or like my dad, one day all of us too will die. And our stuff will be gone. Only in Christ is there fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Only in Christ is there life after this, Lord. Can I plead with all of us, can I plead with myself to put our hope and our trust in the one who has conquered death? If you are a Christian, trust your life to God. Trust it to the one who has died Trust it to the one who has died so that we can have life. But if you're here tonight and you aren't a Christian, can I plead with you to come to the one who has conquered death, the one who gave his life so that we could have life? Let me pray. Father, in a, in a moment we're going to sing to you. And the words of that song say, All my hope is in you. All my strength is in you. With every breath, my soul will rest in you. Lord, I ask tonight that you will do that in our lives, that you will cause us to find our hope and our strength in you and that our souls will rest in you alone. And it's for Jesus' sake that we pray.
Amen. Please stand as we sing this song together.